Coming up this week on AARP, The Perfect Scam. It's a group of people that are easily preyed upon. It's a terrible crime. Uh, these individuals, these uh, seniors have worked their life to uh, have the golden years. There's people abroad, you know, targeting our seniors every day. And there's people being caught every day. For AARP, The Perfect Scam Podcast, I'm your host, Will Johnson. And I am here once again with my co-host, the AARP's Fraud Watch Network Ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Frank, we meet again. Yes, we are. I'm <laughs> glad to be back. Thanks for being here. You know, we haven't read just a good old-fashioned scam email uh, on the show, and I thought I, I could read a little bit of one and just get your feedback. I almost want you to hit a buzzer every time you hear something, uh, but we don't have a buzzer, right. so we'll just talk about it. Okay. But um, this is one my sister got, and she sent it to me. Good evening to you. My name is Morin Jeffson from London, England. I'm going to pause. So, so first of all, the names always are, are <laughs> seem to be made up. So this is Morin Jeffson. I school and work as a fashion designer for part-time job after my school. I'm the only child of my parents. My father died on a fatal auto accident on the way to see my sick mother at the hospital. She also died when she heard about the death of my father in the same day at the hospital. Terrible story. Before the death of my father, he had willed part of his real estate business, gas stations, and a total sum of £50,700,000 sterling. You following along yeah. here? All right. Today, I'm 26 years old. I have no access to the money till I'm 30 years old. So I contact you to stand as my husband to claim this fund on my behalf. Please get back to me as to know how you will be remunerated as I will part with 20% of the total sum and it goes on and on. And obviously, the the ultimate goal here was I contact her, and then eventually she says, well, I'll send you this money, but I need to wire it to your bank account. What's your banking information? Uh, that requires me to have your Social Security number for the wire transfer. Uh, obviously, trying to get information. So it's just a phishing email, as there's 5,000 a day every day in the United States, and phishing for information and to try and get you to respond. Um, Again, people need to be very careful with phishing emails. They've gotten very sophisticated. Right. And this one I, I, I laugh about a little right. bit because of the name and the, the writing is not great at all. Right. Um, but, but go ahead. But the ones I see now, uh, especially in the last few months, hi, Karen, great having lunch with you today. We need to do that more often. I hope you and your husband, Robert, have a great time with the kids at Disney World this week. When you get back, call me and we'll do lunch again. By the way... I saw this on YouTube, and I thought you'd find it interesting. Here's the link. See you soon, Barbara. All of that information comes from the uh, social media. She already said her name. She said they were going to lunch together. She knows the husband's names on her social media site or Facebook. They know they were going to Disney World. People send these phishing emails now with tremendous amount of credibility in them that you don't even bother to think twice that it's not the person that you really believe it is. I've seen some from the CEO of a company to the chief financial officer saying, had a great dinner at your home last night with you and your wife, Susan. My wife, Karen, and I really enjoyed ourselves. We need to do that again soon. As you know, I'm on my way to Nashville today for a conference. I'll be gone this week. I meant to mention to you last night to wire $35,000 to this charity. Would you please see By the way, right. Today? Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, that was all on social media, so they take that data and use that to build credibility in sending you an email rather than this done by an amateur who's just simply sending out emails hoping that someone will respond. And also keep in mind that when they send these phishing emails, 
unlike Nigerian letters years ago where they sent out 20 or 30,000 at a time, they're sending out millions of these. And they're only looking for one-tenth of one percent to maybe respond to that that email. But the work they've done on their end, if it has all that specific information, is to go out and gather that specific information. Right. Seems time-consuming, but I guess somebody has the time. And those ones are much more effective because they have so much more credibility than this, which is really saying nothing about nothing and just sending an email to someone hoping they'll respond. The cost of sending out an email to is nothing. To, is nothing. nothing. Okay, we're going to shift gears and tell our listeners the story of Joseph Brian Martin. He is one of hundreds of individuals who have fallen victim to what U.S. Senator Susan Collins has called one of the worst scams her committee has uncovered. In the place they call vacation land, we measure time by how well you spend it. Vacation land, Maine. It's a beautiful place to live and visit. It's also a place where you can get scammed, just like almost anywhere in the United States or around the world. Sheriff Kevin Joyce is in his eighth year as sheriff of Cumberland County, Maine, an area roughly 880 square miles that runs from the coast to the mountains. Sheriff Joyce is well aware that with a large aging population, scammers are targeting seniors in Maine. The seniors are more vulnerable. Uh, They're more likely to answer the phone in the daytime because they're not at work. These clowns, wherever they are, um, whether in the United States or another country, you know, can sit in a room and, and uh, separate them from money. So a lot of people have lost everything they've owned because of something they thought was happening that needed their uh, monetary contribution. Or, the, or they thought they hit the lottery and they were going to be all set for life. And a lot of people have been wiped out. The cost of scams to Mainers is high and almost impossible to put a price on. I, I would think that the number would be staggering. I mean, I... I I wouldn't even begin to guess um, what that dollar figure is, but I bet it's staggering. In the world of scams, there might be none as shocking as the one we're going to tell you about next and how it almost totally destroyed the life of an older man living in Dresden, Maine, two counties away from Sheriff Joyce's jurisdiction. At its core, it's a romance scam, a scam built on trust and connection. With the uh, dating scams, you know, they say love is blind. You know, oftentimes you can portray yourself to be somebody you really aren't. And uh, uh, as long as you don't have to come out behind the veil, um, pretty much be a, a super manipulator. Joseph Brian Martin, who goes by Brian, also knows firsthand about romance scams. A retired pastor who's had a string of marriages throughout his life, he's an affable guy who likes adventure, and maybe that played into the excitement he felt when he first got to know a woman named Joy in a Yahoo chat room. Uh, I met Joy over the internet about six years ago, and she was from London with a U.S. passport and had gone to Nigeria to do art, native artwork. She's an artist. And we communicated almost every day. I, I would assume that if you were chatting every day, that this did Joy seem like a romantic interest, potentially down the road or, or just someone fun to talk to? Yes, yeah, th- that certainly was the case. So Brian claims he sent a little bit of money to Joy over the course of four or five years. But she kept mentioning something else that he was not willing to do. In the course of time, I think after the first year or so, she brought up the subject of her parents having lived in Quito, Ecuador, and had extensive real estate there. And they had died, and the legal work was still sitting there, and she asked me if I would be willing to go to Quito, Ecuador, pick up these papers, and bring them to London. I turned her down for probably two more years, and then in the last year, 
I agreed to go. They were going to pay all my expenses. You know, I really felt obligated to, to do something because they wanted out of Nigeria and they needed the money from this uh, real estate. And were you reluctant to go? It sounds like you cut her off. You know, you said no, no thanks for a, a few years, but eventually you, you agreed to do it. What made you change your mind? Well, I just felt I owed her something. I mean, we knew each other fairly well. I had no reason not to go other than I don't like to travel anymore at my age. But uh, it was just to, to fulfill a promise that I had made to help her. And you were newly married. Did your new wife know about this? I mean, she obviously knew you were heading out of town. Yeah, I had only been married to my wife at the time uh, for about a year. And she really didn't want me to go, but she didn't insist I shouldn't. So I didn't realize it was a big thing for her. But anyhow. <laughs> How much did she, were you promised uh, from the whole trip with the delivery of documents? There was there was no amount ever mentioned. And I did it as a favor. I didn't, except I didn't have money. So I said they had to pay the expenses. Yeah, it was never about money. I'm, I'm not a money greed type person. So I do things out of favors and fulfilling promises. Brian gets his instructions from Joy. He is to take a flight to Lima, Peru, and meet up with Joy's attorney there, a guy named James. Originally it was to have been Quito, but then the guy was supposedly traveling, and I'd meet him up in Lima, Peru, so that's where I ended up going. It took me a week of waiting before they finally came through with a package. The last night I got, got a call from this James, telling me to go out in the street and holler, uh, I forget what the name was now, I thought it was James too, but they weren't both James. Anyway, so I'm out in the street hollering this guy's name out, and he comes up riding on a bicycle carrying this package, and uh, went up to my room, got the package, and sent him on his way. I did ask him, because they were sealed, I asked him what if you know, the authorities wanted to inspect them, and he says, oh, that's okay, they can open them. So, you know, again, I had no reason to suspect there would be a reason why they shouldn't open these packages. Brian heads to the airport. He's in a wheelchair due to some back issues. He's actually scheduled for spine surgery when he gets home. He goes through security in Lima with no problem and heads to London via Madrid, Spain. Uh, I got off out in Madrid, got in a wheelchair, and they pushed me to the checkout gate, and that's where they had evidently scanned these packages and, and found out that, you know, there was something in them. That something turns out to be 1.8 kilos of cocaine hidden away inside the packages in hollowed-out books. First of all, I, I just drew in a deep breath. I couldn't believe it. Then I began to deny that I knew it, and they didn't believe a word of that. I guess they hear it all the time. Brian is eventually sentenced to six years and one day in a Spanish prison. So here's this elderly man from Maine who has unwittingly carried cocaine into Spain. He needs surgery on his back, he doesn't speak a word of Spanish, and now he's looking at the next phase of his life behind bars in a foreign country. I actually served in two separate prisons, both in Madrid. Fortunately enough, I was able to stay in the infirmary the entire 11 months, so I had a much better situation than if I was in the common population. Describe what, if you can, what that was like. I don't think a lot of people could imagine that kind of scenario feeling, you know, so far away, disconnected from people that you know and, and love. I was just so devastated. I couldn't believe that I was involved in something like this. 
there was one or two people all the time that did speak English, some in the prison, so I did. I wasn't totally isolated, but pretty much so. And could you, like, watch TV in there? Yeah, we had our own TV, but again, that would be all in Spanish, so I, I, I read a book almost every day for 11 months, so I don't even want to read anymore. <laughs> well, and so uh, you were in the infirmary, but as it looked to you from where you sat, you were going to be there for five, six more years. Six years, one day. Brian's only lifeline was a son, Andy Martin, living with his new wife in Las Vegas. Brian's other kids haven't talked to him in years. Andy was, in fact, estranged from his father for over a decade before his father was arrested. If it wasn't for my son, Andrew, who I called from the prison almost every day, I think I would have gone crazy. Yeah. My first letter from my wife while I was in prison, she said she couldn't handle this and she wanted a divorce. And, and I mean, that must have been sort of just let the, let the wind out of you, I imagine, if you're sitting there. Yes. Brian's son, Andy Martin, tells us what he came to learn about his father's relationship with a woman named Joy. I think he said he met her on some Yahoo chat site or something like that. Do you think he was looking for a relationship at the time or just... Yeah, no, I think he was, you know, and she was a much younger person, um, which I thought was kind of creepy, but to each their own, I guess. So over the 2010 to 2015, roughly, he was... He was getting scammed. He was sending money off. And do you know how much he was sending or how much he sent altogether? Well into the tens of thousands. Not that he made much, but he sent virtually everything that he could spare. That figure is a little different from what Brian tells us he sent her, an amount of several hundred dollars over the course of the relationship. But whatever the amount, Brian eventually agreed to deliver real estate documents to London from Peru. So the, the, the promise was that, or the deal was that he would take some real estate documents from South America to London, he would meet Joy and then come back home. Correct. And he'd be paid handsomely for doing that. And paid handsomely. Do you have any idea how much he offered? He didn't have a firm number, but he was led to believe it'd be, you know, about 50,000 or more. And why couldn't, why couldn't, did your dad ask why the documents couldn't be mailed? (laughs) No, that's what I asked him too. I said, have you ever heard of FedEx? (laughs) You know, come on. Yeah. Could have avoided a lot of trouble down the road. I think he just actually wanted to meet her. I think he was just infatuated with her after this secure relationship. When all this went down, Andy Martin wasn't talking to his father, and he hadn't for over a decade, until he got a phone call from the U.S. Embassy in Spain. Yeah, I believe it was a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning, and when I heard the story, I'm like, you're kidding me. This is this is some kind of joke, isn't it? As far as I know, he's in Maine. He just got married. Why would he be in Spain smuggling cocaine? What prompted you to get involved at that point? Uh, given the fact that you hadn't seen him or talked to him in quite a while? If it were me and I did something stupid, I would hope one of my sons would step up and just at least make my life comfortable while I'm over here. So that was really my goal, is just to kind of show him some mercy and some grace, <laughs> if you will. So Andy goes to work on his dad's case, even after years and years of not seeing or talking to him. Now, we were able to retain an attorney for him. You know, we quickly got access to his Social Security funds. And we're able to start, you know, retaining a lawyer for him and, you know, pay him over time. Did you travel to Spain? Yeah, we did. We were actually going to go to Europe on a honey, a late honeymoon. We were in Paris and we took a day and shot down to Madrid to see him. That's the first time I'd seen him in probably 10 years, maybe 12 years. And so was he still in a wheelchair when you saw him? Um, he was walking with like a walker. You know, he was shuffling along and he was wearing, um, you can wear any clothes you want. So he had like a bathrobe on and 
and some slippers. So he's in jail. You're, you, you visit him. You hope to make his life more comfortable. Um, you're treating him in a way that maybe he hasn't treated other members of your family. Correct. Yeah. It's around this time that the story takes another turn. Andy gets a call from the office of Maine Senator Susan Collins, and he's suddenly thrust into the spotlight. She chairs a committee, Senate committee for uh, the aging, the elderly. They were actually looking into this, this issue and had a hearing on it, wanted to hold a hearing on it. So they invited me to come to D.C. to tell his story. And what were you testifying then? Were you just simply telling the story of what had happened to your father, that he'd been the victim of a scam, and now he was in jail in Spain? Correct. And I, you know, I had a prepared written testimony that, you know, I... I sent them in advance and uh, that they made available to the media. And then, um, you know, they asked me a bunch of questions after. And what did they go about doing to get him out? They wrote a letter to then Secretary of State um, John Kerry, told him the story. And then he sent a letter to uh, the Spanish, you know, counterpart over there in Spain. So John Kerry, Susan Collins, you've got some pretty high-profile people on your dad's side. I think just the fact that the Senate got involved and our State Department actually got involved, um, that along with his lawyer, um, his lawyer using that information, you know, sharing the letters, you know, with uh, the judge, and, and the fact that he's 77, 78 years old, and not really a, a threat to Spanish society. He was in for 11 months, and so he came home. I want to say around May or June of uh, 2016, so a year later. And what did he say to you, or can you describe at all what it was like? for him to come back home and obviously he had lost a lot his his new wife had decided to end the marriage but he was he had his freedom yeah he lost everything that he had all of his possessions were gone other than the clothes that he had actually had with them and um you know he had no place to go so he flew to vegas to stay with us until he could sort things out so your dad has returned to the united states he comes to vegas where you are uh, he can now add to his long list of various roles throughout the years, pastor uh, and, and some other occupations, drug mule, uh, unwittingly so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jack of all trades, catch me if you can. It amazes me that this is actually a thing. I mean, people being paid to be drug mules has been around for forever, I, I assume, for, for going back many years. But... But the idea of tricking someone into carrying something into another country and the idea of doing it after a five-year online relationship where you're reeling someone in and then uh, saying, hey, I've just got this one last thing for you to do. I mean, that's a long, that's a big investment to put into somebody. Well, you know what I think it was, and I think this is how they do it, is they just, they're happy with the little romance scam and send me a hundred bucks here and there, you know, as long as that's going to continue. But the minute he was going to break it off because he got remarried, then they brought up this thing they had talked about earlier and figured they'd get one more thing out of them, one big score from them. But what do you think is there, I mean, wouldn't that seem like the ultimate goal, that they are looking for people to to smuggle drugs? Well, from what I learned, a lot of times, um, you know, they have a pigeon, someone they set up who's supposed to get busted. Well, you know, 10 other people on the same flight get through. And they're using seniors more and more because they seem less likely to be a drug mule. Scams come in all shapes, sizes. This is one that, uh, you know, you, you learn not to, or we caution people not to answer emails, pick up the phone. Also, don't take any packages into another country for someone. Yes, especially if you're not going to look at them first. Did Joy drop off the radar after all this? Well, that's, you know. 
know, now you're reaching a new topic. So since he's been back, you know, I thought he had learned his lesson, but he's right back into it again. Right back into online relationships. And sending money to people overseas. Oh, come on. I kid you not. It's a, it's it's like a gambling addiction, the best I can figure. So he's always telling me about, oh, I got this new girlfriend, and here's her picture, and some beautiful young blonde in her 20s, you know, and on his refrigerator. I'm like, Dad, she's... A, she's not real, and B, she would never be interested in you. You're 79 years old. (laughs) And then after that relationship goes on for four, five, six months, and, you know, you can't send her any more money, or she doesn't come, or, you know, then someone else reaches out to him. So I just think it's the same people using different emails, just reinventing themselves over and over and over. It kind of speaks to this, to the idea of fantasy playing such a big role or taking over our lives or our minds in a way, or some people's lives and minds, that it, it, it's hard to distinguish between what, what might be real and is certainly not real. Yeah. These people are offering him a life that, that he is probably unattainable. Yeah, one that he never had and that he wished he had had, you know. What are your thoughts about your father today? I know it's been, it sounds like a roller coaster. I'm just happy he's not, you know, spending his last days in Spain and dying alone in a foreign country. I mean, that, that was like the thing that bothered me the most about his situation. I wanted to get him home. For his part, Joseph Brian Martin, after everything, after getting busted for smuggling cocaine and spending 11 months in a Spanish prison, doesn't seem able to accept the idea that Joy is most likely not who she says she is. Do you believe that she exists, that she is the person she claims to be? Well, again, I'm a fool when it comes to believing people. I don't want to live in a world where you cannot trust one another. And so I get taken from time to time. But I really, because again, five years is a lot of communicating. And we got to know an awful lot about each other. And I believed her. Had no reason not to. Are, are you uh, wary to connect with people online now, or are you you're, you're still connecting and, and just being a little more careful, or how, how's that going? I think I, I am more careful, but I'm still on the Internet, and I still trust people, but I refuse to go out of the country or do anything approaching what I went through again. Yeah. Don't 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 right. uh, agree to take any more real estate documents anywhere, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> And I'm back with the AARP's Fraud Watch Network Ambassador, Frank Abagnale, senior drug mules. I mean, I've heard about drug mules, but the idea of someone who's older, elderly, senior, uh, uh, taking drugs for someone across the border unwittingly is, is terrible. One of the things that always surprises me about this is, again, I travel constantly all over the world. Every country I go to when I get ready to leave that country and go through their customs and then check in at the ticket counter, I am asked, did anyone ask you to carry anything on board this plane? Did, it, did you pack your own bags? Do you know the things that are in your bags? When you leave the United States, you're not asked any questions. You see nobody. You just get on the plane, show your passport, and off you go. So I could see where someone would say, transport this for me, knowing that, one, there's no risk leaving the U.S. No one's going to ask you what's in your bag. No one's going to look at your bag. And then it's just a question, are someone who looks very elderly in a wheelchair or just somebody looks very respectable, are they actually going to stop them and scan them or look to see in their bag? They're hoping they're going to go through nothing to declare and walk right through and have the stuff in it, which works many times. 
But sometimes people get caught, and this way the criminal's not taking the heat. The person who took it is taking the heat. Brian Martin, nice enough sounding guy, has lived an interesting life. Uh, he's been married a few times, and then he takes off on this this adventure, although it sounds like he's had plenty of adventures in the past too. But at its core, like other stories, this is somewhat of a, or it is a romance scam. He clearly felt a connection and was very attached to the pers- this person who was asking him to go on this, this journey. So she had built up the, the credibility right. with him. Uh, instead of somebody approaching you and just saying, I'll pay you $5,000 if you take this through customs, uh, and that they're doing it obviously for the money and they realize there's something in it, there's a risk associated with it, and they're hoping they don't get caught. Um, she built up a relationship with him, so she was just asking him to do it for as a favor, and of course she'd compensate his travel probably and maybe give him some money for doing it. So he was doing it more out of kindness to her. But again, she was taking the risk that he wouldn't be stopped, and probably in most cases he wouldn't. It was just he happened to be, unfortunately, as checked. And then I have to ask, do you think this was always Joy's end game to get him to take cocaine or, or, or just part of the scam? No, I think Joy just had uh, something going on with him. Who knows what, you know, this just was an opportunity that came up for Joy and said, I know the right person to ask to do this. It could have been a simple matter of gotcha. that. Yeah. The opportunity came to her and then she said, who do I know that could do this? Well, there's a little disconnect with Andy saying he was offered quite a bit of money, but he thought it was for real estate documents. He right. didn't say it was for... He, and he was doing it more for presumably. the girl. I don't think the money was I agree. the issue. I think it was That's what his father's... That's yeah. what everybody seems to think. Yeah. It's an interesting idea, if not somewhat tragic, that it's about this fantasy of a life that maybe he's, he's missed the boat on. But can we bring up the red flag again? Please so bring here up the I red have flag. this relationship with someone. It's great. We're over the phone. We're over the internet. I think this girl's interested in me, though I never met her. I sent her money to come see me, but she didn't come. But I still have this great relationship. Yeah. And then, boom, uh, would you take these documents for me that for out of the country and bring them to another country? That's the red flag. Again, asking you to do something now that's out of the ordinary that's where that red flag should have lit up. All right. Well, thanks once again to the AARP's Fraud Watch Network Ambassador Frank Abigail for being here. Thanks, Will. For more information and resources on how to protect yourself or a loved one from becoming a victim of a scam, you can visit AARP's Fraud Watch Network website, aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. And as always, thanks to my team of scam busters here at AARP, Julie Getz, Brooke Ellis, Julio Gonzalez, and Steve Bartlett. For AARP The Perfect Scam, I'm Will Johnson. Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, you can put your skills to work for the causes you care about, whether that's by becoming a companion for an older adult or a foster grandparent for a child, tutoring students, joining a disaster response effort, or fulfilling another interest. Choose how, where, and when you want to volunteer starting at just a few hours a month. This is your moment to make a positive impact on your community and get back so much more in return. Visit americourt.gov slash your moment today.